As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You're listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Meg, your host, and I'm a national staff writer at The Athletic covering the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team. Now, week two of the NWSL regular season is complete, and, well, the table has been an adventure so far, with Racing Louisville earning their first dub of 2021 thanks to a goal and an assist from Amina Ekic, who happens to be the guest on this week's podcast. Plus, I've got more on the Olivia Moultrie lawsuit and the temporary restraining order granted this week and the U.S. Women's National Team roster for the Summer Series, as well as the just-announced send-off series in July. Before we get started, though, as always, your reminder that you can directly support this podcast and our women's soccer coverage at The Athletic with your subscription by signing up at theathletic.com slash full-time. Because of your support, I will be on-site for the Summer Series from Texas and then the send-off series in Connecticut and in theory, still planning on Tokyo, depending on how all of this discussion over whether the game should even happen or not plays out, but that is honestly a topic for another day. Let's start with the news of the week as always, but actually first, let's start with some of the NWSL results from the last weekend and some of the discussion around the results of these games. Fortunately, Amina Ekic is here to walk us through the Louisville game, so let's focus on some of the post-game reaction from the Orlando Pride's big 2-1 win over the Courage and then the Cascadia rivalry heating back up. So, Sydney LaRue and Alex Morgan both scored in that Pride win, and after the match, Courage head coach Paul Riley said, quote, They, the Pride, have changed their philosophy completely from two years ago when they were the artists and trying to play out of the back all the time, but they're certainly not that. They're very direct. They don't play any football whatsoever. Spicy, but we also know that Orlando is pretty good at social media, and they were very unafraid to essentially point to the scoreboard. That is also pretty much what happened in their locker room, with Sidney LaRue sharing an inside look at a bulletin board full of tweets, with Steph Young's reporting of Riley's quote pasted directly under a very large 2-to-1. Meanwhile, on the other coast, if there had been some questions about the Thorn and Rain maybe losing a bit of the edge when it came to their matches, it looked like the first regular season match of 2021 is going to help pick that back up a bit. 
Oh, well, Rain defeated Portland in their own stadium after coming back from a goal deficit, which, by the way, a great goal from Christine Sinclair to open things up. Megan Rapino scored her first NWSL goal in over 1,000 days via a free kick, plus Shirley Cruz provided the game winner only a few minutes later. Now, obviously, very happy with the result. Rapino was having some real fun in the post-game Zoom after the match. You might have seen some of these quotes floating around, but it's still worth listening to them directly. So here's Megan Rapino. It was definitely a point of emphasis for us, um, you know, having come down here a couple times before this year and just not having that spirit. Uh, we definitely wanted to bring that. I mean, outside of, you know, playing international football, this is uh, the biggest and the best and the most fun game that you could possibly play. Um, it's a great atmosphere. Um, obviously, the, the Thorns fans uh, need no introduction. They're, they're uh, incredible. They have one big problem, though, is that they love me. So it's really difficult for them to cheer against me. So when I scored, I had to go right over and uh, really like talk my shit. And I was like trying to talk shit to them and they just kind of didn't know what to do. And then finally someone gave me like a big double fuck you middle fingers up. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's the kind of rivalry that we want. So I think for me, um, you know, obviously I, I haven't been able to enjoy a lot of football lately I've had a couple you know nagging injuries and this and that and not the minutes that I want so um to be able to play in such a big game like this for us um obviously to be able to score a goal um I had so much fun today um I always love coming and playing here uh like I said outside of international football this is the best game that you could possibly play so uh so proud of the team huge performance um you know to be able to lock in score two goals here um and and lock in for the rest of the game and, and take three points home uh, as we leave tonight it is massive for the season. Um, you know, knowing it'll be kind of a little choppy until after the Olympic break, this is a big win for us. Also on the NWSL front, some major movement in the Olivia Moultrie case. Paul Tenorio was on the show a couple of weeks ago to help make sense of this lawsuit as he's been doing the brunt of the reporting for us. So if you missed that episode, I definitely recommend circling back. But After a hearing last week, the judge in the case has issued a temporary restraining order in Moultrie's favor, allowing her to be offered an NWSL contract. Now, this order only lasts 14 days, but it's also a sign that the judge has been convinced of the merits of Moultrie's arguments and opted for the order because she viewed holding her back from playing in the league as an immediate harm. The judge also pushed back on the NWSL's two primary arguments, stating that the future collective bargaining would not be impacted by this order or any further injunction, and that the league's arguments about increased costs, that one in particular did not seem to go over well with the judge writing in her decision that the league appeared to be more worried about keeping costs down than any impact on actual competition. The judge also pushed back on the idea that the NWSL is a single entity league, but the biggest argument here appeared to be the, quote, public interest of the case. As she wrote, the only thing currently standing between plaintiff, aka Moultrie, and her aspiration to be a professional soccer player in this country is gender. Promoting gender equality in athletics is clearly in the public interest. The league released a statement affirming their belief that the only proper place to discuss this age rule is collective bargaining negotiations, and that the NWCL is, quote, evaluating our options with respect to the district court's order. What that actually means, TBD, I guess, but the writing is pretty clear here on the wall, honestly. But it's also just, it's very hard for me to wrap my head around why the league would continue to pay for multiple antitrust lawyers to continue this fight when they could spend that money instead on labor lawyers, probably less of them as well, 
who could help them get a CBA done with the NWSL Players Association, and soon. It seems pretty simple, but that also never seems to be enough with this league. Moving on to the national team. A few major news items this week, but let's start with the 23-player roster for the upcoming summer series with matches against Portugal, Jamaica, and Nigeria on deck in Texas. Let's start with the roster itself. For goalkeepers, we've got Jean Campbell, Adriana French, and Alyssa Nayer. For defenders, Alana Cook, Abby Dahlkemper, Tierna Davidson, Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, Margaret Purse, Mitch Purse, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Emily Sonnet. Midfielders, Lindsay Haran, Rose Lavelle, Katarina Macario, Christy Mewis, Sam Mewis, Andy Sullivan. For forwards, we've got Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, Megan Rapino, Sophia Smith, and Lynn Williams. Now, two major injury updates as well. Julie Ertz is not on this roster after spraining the MCL in her right knee in the first match of the regular season with the Red Stars. And Andonofsky said on Tuesday that she's only just returned to running, but they do expect to see her back in camp by the July games and ready to go for the Olympics. Tobin Heath will be with the team in June, but only as a training player. Andonofsky is getting regular, if not essentially daily, updates on her progress, and Laura Harvey is actually working one-on-one with her as part of her return. The one thing I was hoping to see on this roster was a call-up for AD French based on her return to play so far with Portland in 2021, and that hope was confirmed. And Andonofsky did say that he expected rotation through the final three matches before he names the 18-player Olympic roster, both to manage minutes, but also to give players a chance at their last looks before he names that roster, and that also goes for goalkeepers, which is not something we always get. How much will this last camp and series count for? I mean, honestly, it just sounds like another data point for Andonofsky. The door isn't entirely closed to players not on this roster, but he also said that these are the players that they are focused on the most as of right now. But would any single match be make or break for a player? It sounds kind of doubtful. As Andonofsky said, we are also focused on the big picture and the overall body of work the players have put together over the past year or so for the national team and their clubs. So we continue to wait, basically. But I do expect a pretty quick turnaround from those final matches before the roster to the actual roster drop because there just honestly is not much time between their two send-off matches in July and the end of the summer series. So these two new games announced on Wednesday, the U.S. Women's National Team will face Mexico in two matches on July 1st and July 5th, with both of them being played in Connecticut. Now, why Connecticut? It's not entirely clear, especially after Andonofsky said that they had specifically chosen Texas for the June games as they hope to replicate some of the conditions of Tokyo in these matches between the heat and the humidity. Finally, The breakup between U.S. Soccer and Soccer United Marketing was announced this weekend. They're going to bring their commercial interest back to Soccer House when the current deal ends in 2022. Paul Tenorio also covered this one for us at The Athletic, and I've got the link to his story in the show notes. Okay, (laughs) a huge week in performance over the weekend for the guest on this podcast, Racing Louisville rookie Amina Ekic scored a goal and added an assist in the club's huge win over the Washington Spirit. We talked about adjustments to the pros, playing in her hometown, pizza, and also why we are about to start the campaign for her teammate, Yuki Nagasato, to follow her on Instagram. Here we go. I want to start with the game this past weekend. Obviously, first one at home for racing, goal and an assist for you. But I just let's start with the experience 
of even playing in that stadium, right? Challenge Cup, couple of regular season games. What is it like to be playing in that stadium in the NWSL right now? It's absolutely incredible. I was on the phone with a radio station yesterday and they were asking me about the environment and how it is. And right now we're at 50% and they're like, what do you think it's going to feel like at a hundred percent? I was like, I can't even imagine <laughs> like at 50%, like, like, it's just crazy. Like there's smoke bombs. Like I can't hear anything every time. Like we get the ball, like it might not even be like an exciting play, but the fans are like cheering us on and like everyone just gets super hype and it gets loud. Um, it's just amazing. Like I've never played in an environment like that. Honestly, at a hundred percent, it might even like register as an like a small earthquake or, or something um, when we score a goal. But it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, there's also the full light show, right? Which is, I think, something that we haven't really seen in the NWSL before, but has obviously been a topic of of much discussion of how over the top it is. Like, what is it like to be on? <laughs> does it make it hard to celebrate even? That's honestly my favorite part. So um, the first game of the Challenge Cup, we scored the first goal, but it was still light out. So you couldn't even really tell. You could just tell that the lights were kind of like flickering, like maybe strobe or something. But we scored the second goal and then the lights kind of went out and everyone was like, whoa, like, <laughs> what's going on? Like um, Brooke scored the second goal to tie us and she was like, like I was just like running away and she was like, it was hot. And then the lights went out and then I didn't know where I was. And we were all like freaking out, but then we were like, like, it's so cool. And then the games before that we played earlier, so you couldn't really see it, you know, but we were prepared because we were like our games at seven 30. And honestly, I just wanted a light show. I was like, we're going to have a light show tonight. Like this is my favorite part. I want a light show. <laughs> all right. Well, first win, right. Just in terms of, you know, what it's like to actually get that out of the way, right? Like, I think one of the the main themes as we're talking to players, as we're talking to rookies, right, is like getting that first goal under your belt, getting that first win under your belt. So that way it's just like, okay, now like the pressure is maybe off a little bit. Does that apply for you in terms of like, hey, all this stuff, stuff has happened now, we get to work? Yeah, it's definitely encouraging. Like, it's nice to get it out of the way, like as a team, like, we did it, you know, like that pressure's off of us and we just kind of keep building forward and like practicing hard. Um, the coaching staff has been great. We just take what's given to us and we try to implement and execute it as best as we can. But it was great to, to have a night like that. Yeah. Just in terms of your goal, I mean, what was what was the thought process like in terms of just the play, in terms of <laughs> the celebration? But, you know, that's in terms of it's the second week of the regular season, right? Just trying to get that first result in the books. Um, I feel like one of my strengths is like running at people. So like right before I went in, Christy was like, when you get the ball, like drive, go. Um, it was very hot that day. People were tired and that's what I had in my mind. I was like, I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut and put it on my left foot because that's my preferred foot. And I'm like, I'm just going to drive inside. And it was, it worked out. Um, I actually practiced that shot a lot. Like I like to curve the ball from the right side and like hit it back post. And I don't know, I kind of blanked. I didn't even see the ball go in. Like I saw that it didn't go wide of the goal. So I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> I honestly didn't see the keeper, like, like um, the defenders and my teammates kind of got in the way. And I was just like, by the time I had gotten up, cause I kind of like 
I don't know, put all my energy into like getting around the ball and like my touch kind of got away from me, but everyone was already around me and just like so hype and it was amazing. And then we ran over to the bench a little bit and like all, like it was a team effort. Like it was awesome. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So I want to rewind a little bit beyond the first win, but just in terms of the experience so far of being a, a rookie on an expansion team, right? There, There is this kind of brand new thing being built. Is it exciting to be part of that kind of a project rather than, you know, obviously with a draft, you don't have a lot of control about where you're ending up, but you ended up at the expansion team, you know, in Louisville, you were from Louisville, like from a narrative point of view, it clearly makes sense. But what is it actually like to be a rookie on an expansion team? I think it's awesome that um, I'm watching the club grow and I'm watching it in my own hometown. Like we're in charge of the environment, um, the team culture. Like that's something we work a lot on. We have meetings like once a week um, just to build and kind of have a foundation because we're really starting from scratch. So pretty awesome like some ideas are thrown out there like not all of them work like we're adjusting we're all learning together um it's definitely a team effort like nothing is set in stone so we're just kind of sculpting what's going to be known as racing Louisville in a few years and that's going to be our standard and the expectations are always high but um the foundation will be there in a few years and I'm really excited for it. it's going to be awesome yeah is it special to you to to be part of this group that is building I mean like again it's your hometown right like are there are there times where the team is looking to you of like okay you're an expert <laughs> in this city like you know I, I feel like there are some teams I think about the Chicago Red Stars right like they that team to me feels like they do really try to think about how do you embody a community how do you instill some of these values of a city into a club like are those kind of conversations happening as well already like again early in the process yeah, that, that part's really important to us. We're um, looking for ways to get back to the community. A lot of the girls are we're starting to coach within the academies and just kind of, like, make appearances. Um, what else? We, like, we shop a lot locally and stuff. Um, we have, like, our pitch um, sayings and statements and everything embodies the community and the communities, like, behind us. And um, the fans, they – I was talking to one of them and they um, they said they want to be like a 12th man for us on the field. And that's exactly what it feels like. I think it's difficult for teams to come in here and play against us just because the community is so um, united and behind us. And like we are one, like the team is the city and it's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, when when Louisville was really coming up as an expansion possibility, you know, there is obviously the USL team already in place, right? That stadium is already kind of a, a work in progress, but, you know, there is a, a dedicated supporters group for the women's team already set. And as you were saying, like, you know, smoke bombs are happening. There's there's people up leading the chance. But, you know, in terms of that atmosphere, you know, I also think about early on in the Challenge Cup, like there are signs for Brianna Taylor, right, from the supporters and and having the full kind of reflection of Louisville. Like, what is that conversation like of what the city is kind of going through, how the supporters are are obviously all kind of local, right? How the team is going through it. You obviously have that kind of personal connection to the city. Like, what is that conversation like right now? Um. As a team, we've sat down a couple of times, you know, just just the team and kind of talked about like what we wanted to do, how we wanted to give back, um, kneeling and that situation and supporting our teammates and the community. Um, being here, I guess, when everything kind of went down, it was it was tough to see because the city was boarded up and just like um, protests and like it was nothing I'd ever seen before in Louisville. And it was kind of scary because I like to see Louisville as like an open place, like like peaceful and stuff. But definitely seeing the signs like, you know, injustice is, is something that we're, you know, that happened and we're like seeking justice and um, in the community and just like offering support. Things are like getting like slightly better, but it's always going to be there and it's always going to be part of our history and we can always improve to be better. Um, and it's great that we have a platform um, as a team and even like as individuals, we can speak up like on it or against it or, or with it. And it's just great that um, we have this platform to use to, to help with situations like that. Yeah. Just in terms of, you know, overall NWSL is obviously trying to figure out its place in this. I think WNBA has kind of like had this, very interesting, you know, model, right. In terms of leagues, but, um, in terms of, you know, Lavender Legion, the supporters group, like, is there any kind of early stages of communication between the players and the supporters in terms of like, what is important from a community point of view, or is it just kind of like, okay, the, the team is trying to figure this out right now in terms of like priorities. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's too much communication. Um, like like was said we're kind of like a new team and we're trying to put everything together and there's I know the NWSL um early on was trying to make some adjustments and stuff so everything's kind of up in the air but it's really cool to see like the posters and just like everything's pretty united when you step into the stadium just like I don't know if you've seen the flags like there's um towards one end of the goal there's like so many like flags like the u.s flag um i'm bosnian so there's a bosnian flag like an irish flag like there's maybe there were 20 flags lined up behind the goal and it was like really exciting to see but definitely like it's a vibe it's a type of energy on the stadium like on on game day everyone is there to support racing or like Louisville city and it's awesome like all everything else set aside we're one when it comes to game day Got it. Just in terms of, there was a really great quote after last weekend's game. Um, Michelle Betos was saying, you know, like, hey, you know, obviously everybody is is thinking about your performance in that game, but Michelle Betos, who, I mean, I've covered since 
you know, the league basically started was just like, yeah, I kind of ripped into her at practice one day. <laughs> and she just kind of took it and was like, no, thank you for challenging me. And I was, I was hoping that you could maybe talk through, you know, what your relationship with some of these players who have come in from other teams, right? Like again, expansion draft, you've got players like Michelle Betos, like Yuki Nagasato, Savannah McCaskill, who are coming in, who, who have kind of the lay of the land of NWSL, but Michelle Betos in particular, I think, really stands out here because she she did say like no I'm I'm pushing her right like we we want her to get better and she wants to get better what is that relationship like uh it, they're just we have a high standard and they want me to meet it every day at practice and to be consistent and the small details matter and now that I kind of have experienced a few games under my belt I can kind of see it but they were just they were honestly preparing me like in preseason and getting me ready and just like making sure I'm tuned in all the time. Um, I love them. Like, it's kind of funny because they're like, they're so much older than me, but we have like this odd relationship. They're definitely pushing me. Um, one time we were doing like this passing pattern drill at, at practice and it was kind of like leading Yuki a little bit too much. And she like wanted it at her feet. And I was talking to her because I found out she's in a band and she plays the drums. And I was like, Yuki, like, can I come by? Like, can you teach me how to play the drums? And she was like, no. She's like, I'm going to teach you how to pass first. <laughs> I, was, I was like, Yuki, why do you have to roast me like that? But <laughs> definitely, I, I think I know what Michelle was talking about. It was like early on in preseason, I think, in practice. Like, I lost, I lost the ball in the middle of the field or something. Like, I just got, like – completely rocked it was like the first week of preseason uh, I think and they probably had a chance on goal and she was like not happy about it and she was like letting me know and then that's when I was like okay we don't lose the ball in the middle of the field you know so definitely just it's been great though like um I think it's like funny sometimes like sometimes I'll score on her and she'll like she'll like be pissed but she'll be like happy for me she's like yeah there's a grudging respect, right? Back to me, but then after practice, she's like, "That's great, keep that up," and she'll like walk off. I was like, "Thanks." <laughs> I do. I I have to admit, as soon as you said they're so much older than me, I was just going, "Okay, mentally, math. I'm still older than Michelle Betos. It's okay. This is the joy of this job. Is every year y'all get a little bit younger, and I get the exactly the opposite. So this has been, you know, as the players who are like roughly my age start to retire, I'm just like, "Yep." cool great (laughs) this is great this is a great development for me personally it's fine like I'm one of those people who very much makes a lot of jokes about my back being bad in my mid-30s so it is just a part of life but I want to talk to you more about Yuki because Yuki is an entire vibe I think (laughs) definitely what like when the whole hashtag that ass thing happened on Twitter like what is that like from a team point of view are people watching this happen on Twitter and just being like, yeah, this might as well happen? Honestly, I think everyone was a little confused <laughs> what happened. <laughs> because we were sitting there trying to figure out um, who taught Yuki that. Like, Yuki <laughs> didn't know what that was. That's, that's why it became a thing. But it turns out her friend from home, I think, like, mentioned it. And then the tweet happened. And then, like, people on the team like found out about it and then they were teaching Yuki some other things and like honestly there might be many more shirts <laughs> made <laughs> but yeah 
it's it's pretty interesting i think it's hilarious yeah yeah i mean so there is this kind of unofficial award called the most online player and yuki has has pretty consistently been a front runner for it over the past few years of just like best online social media <laughs> persona like yuki is always in that conversation as far as i'm concerned so yeah, she's already a very early candidate i need to ask her for some tips <laughs> Maybe All right. Let her take over my accounts. I I mean, but you I don't know if you know what's going to happen when that. Yeah, it's risky. <laughs> you have to ask her like, can you actually teach me? Like, you got to get that drum session in and then record oh. it, and like that's the social media content. Honestly, like, you just gotta. Yeah, I don't want to ruin Yuki's like um, I don't know, like I guess drop, but there's going to be like a YouTube video. I don't know, like she, she does love YouTube. Yeah, so I didn't even know. Like, I was like, Yuki, you have a YouTube? I'm going to subscribe. <laughs> but she was, like, taking, like, videos, like, small videos at practice and, like, like just short clips. And, like, I was eating, like, an RX bar. And, like, she filmed me from, like, the ground up. And I just turned around and looked at her. And then she cut it. And I was like, Yuki, I wasn't even ready. I didn't even know I was being filmed. But <laughs> This is a real <laughs> journalistic <laughs> ethics, Yuki. <laughs> We went to um, a birthday dinner yesterday and like, I think it's, it was like a combination of the three youngest people on the team and Yuki went to dinner. And then we were just like asking Yuki a bunch of questions and like, if she wanted to have kids or not. And then we were like, if you could pick anyone on the team. And then we were like, not on the team, basically between the three of us who would like be your godmother like if something happened to you which one of us and she picked me so I feel like we're getting somewhere that's real progress that's real progress follow me back on Instagram maybe I'll bring it up again but okay well this is you can I mean you could make your campaign right now yeah to get that Instagram follow like what what is the campaign not sure (laughs) oh she's too cool for me but I don't know. I feel like it's coming. Like, I feel like we're going to be best friends. Okay. I believe in you. Yeah. You have to keep us updated though. Yeah. I, it's like a, a long process. Like okay. from the start of preseason to now, we've come a long way. <laughs> okay. I'd ask All right. tomorrow and we'll see. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I did want to ask you some little questions. Um, first of all, as someone who does travel a lot for work, right? Like eventually I'm going to get down to that stadium. But for folks who might be considering traveling for NWSL games, like would you like to maybe sell some folks on why they should consider Louisville as a destination for an NWSL match if their team is playing racing? 
like what they could see, what they could eat. Like for me, when I travel for work, my first Google is almost always food related. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of um, the teammates that were drafted here ended up here. Um, they were all kind of like, I didn't know Louisville had as much as it did. Like, it's actually a really cool place. Like, they thought it was just like a small, small, like, I don't know, small city kind of like towards the south. But they're like, it's so cool. Um, I think we're like a big food staple because we have like chains but we have so many like locally owned, like that you can Google, like so many coffee shops. Like there's one on every corner. My favorite is Synergos and I like go maybe a couple times a week with people. Um, so many food places. The Eagle is personally my favorite. So like we have the strip called Bardstown Road and there's just like restaurants and coffee shops and like vintage shops and just like locally owned stuff. And it's so cool. It's kind of like, um, just like its own little place like the road is like small um and everything's walking like walking distance so people are always like walking around um traveling there's ice cream shops candy shops we have the walking bridge which is pretty awesome and that's actually like really close to where we live so there's like a huge park um and then like obviously like you walk to indiana and they have like um a really good pizza place called pizza parlor and like Froyo, and then you can like walk across the bridge on the way back. We have so many parks and stuff. I recently bought one of those like hammocks, the Inu things. Mm. Prop those up. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. So I'll like go to a park. Actually, I went on game day because the game was late, and I kind of just like got my coffee and I propped it up and lay there. It took me a while because it was my first time, but it was awesome. Yeah. So, I do want to ask you, you mentioned pizza. What is Louisville pizza like as a person who lives in New York City and thus has been told, like, I need to have firm pizza opinions, but also I once traveled to St. Louis for work and I'm sorry to anyone listening from St. Louis. I do not understand your pizza. It is strange <laughs> and unnerving to me, but what is Louisville pizza? Like, is it just a certain style of pizza or is there a particular Louisville pizza that I'm completely unaware of? That's the thing, though. I don't think there's one style. There's so many different restaurants and, like, local shops that you could get a different pizza wherever you go. Like, we have thin crust, stuffed crust, deep dish. Like, I think there's something for everyone. So you Are you a – what is your preferred pizza style? We're doing the real hard-hitting questions now. Um, I'm definitely a stuffed crust fan. Okay. That's, that's fair. I know, you know, Chicago gets a lot of uh, gentle teasing from other NWSL teams. The formerly Sky Blue, now Gotham FC supporters group hung up a sign at one of the Chicago games that just said, your pizza is just a casserole. So <laughs> I've never had their pizza. Yeah, I, I will admit I'm not necessarily a deep dish person, but, you know, to each their own. I, I just like the one pizza I, I am willing to speak negatively of is St. Louis pizza. Again, sorry to anyone listening from St. Louis. I just simply, they have a specific type of cheese. It's just very strange. That's all I got for you. <laughs> I feel like I'm not a deep dish person either, but anything else, like I'll try like a thin crust. I definitely think I lean more through to like pan to like thin crust, not really a, a thick crust kind of person. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, just in terms of the the other big thing that is obviously a real selling point for Louisville is the bourbon in town. 
and I know that I've already heard some jokes of like the players being like, we cannot partake of this in season. We know it exists. Right. But, um, you know, just in terms of like what that culture is kind of like in terms of, you know, I think it is very much like a for bourbon to be bourbon. It has to be from Kentucky. Is that a, is that an opinion that you also share? Um, to be honest with you, I've never had bourbon, but mm. I do know I've gotten it as gifts for people, you know, like, yeah, like as for my athletic trainer, like he likes to get like different, like bougie refreshments. <laughs> so I definitely like would go and shop for him. And I'm like, like everything says like Kentucky. And I'm like, if I get it from anywhere else, then it, it's just <laughs> so pointless. I actually remember one of my best friends from college, um, what happened her mom bought bourbon for for the same athletic trainer just like as thank you like it's his thing at louisville and she bought bourbon bought it from kentucky and then shipped it home with my best friend that was coming back from like like um spring break or something so i was like your mom bought bourbon shipped it from here and you brought it back (laughs) (laughs) like you probably could have just like gotten some money via venmo and gone out that was very interesting because she was like she was like she was shopping and i guess she didn't realize that the best place to get bourbon was from kentucky so when we opened it and it was like from kentucky and it was like that was kind of counterintuitive but it happened so yeah all right let's let's wrap up with some overall thoughts on the team what your expectations for the regular season are obviously you know challenge cup is kind of the first taste of the season standalone competition now you're into the regular season you know what is it like even to shift from that standalone tournament where you are given this chance to kind of get a sense of some other teams and now you're looking at we're two weeks into the grind of a full 24 game season Honestly, I think the Challenge Cup was really good for us because it was kind of us getting our our feet kind of a little bit wet. Um, for We have a bunch of, obviously, like, rookies and just new players and internationals. So it was an adjustment to see how – just how good the league is, just how competitive, aggressive, like, athletic it is. And then from that point, trying to work together. So kind of, it was a great experience for everyone. And I think team-wise, it was really good because it helped us kind of work on and see like what we need to do better, like exposed to different things or like change up our game plan. And it was good for us to put different players in different positions and kind of kind of just work through some things and see a bigger picture that we couldn't see through preseason. It was like nice to see where we kind of stood after the long preseason <laughs> yeah I mean you did walk into the the longest preseason ever for your first yeah. preseason where even even media was just like February for oh okay <laughs> yeah it was it was interesting because we were like 10 weeks and then we were like oh the season challenge cup is kind of still part of preseason like like I don't know to me I feel like we're kind of in the middle of it like we're just starting but we're in the middle of it I was talking to Shana Shana Matthews and she was telling me just like about her experiences like she started like a long time ago before me and just how the league was different but she was just you know I think helping me out and giving me some hints just like it's a long season and she was like 
like prepare yourself it is your first year take care of your body like you will hit a wall I mean it's probably something that I tell freshmen coming into college so I'm just you know trying to take care of my body and be ready so yeah. I can last until November <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's the end of May. It is kind of funny to think like, yeah, we're going until November this year and like end of November too with the championship. So we got, we got some time left. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking all this time with us today. Again, congrats on the goal, the assist and the first dub of the 2021 season. And I'm sure we'll see some more out of the team we'll see some more light shows hopefully in your honor as well and and again please keep us posted on the yuki nagasato following you on instagram saga like i am now personally invested i think we can start the campaign on twitter we'll make it happen i will definitely tweet it out at yuki and then something will happen like it'll be a movement it might even be a t-shirt it might be a t-shirt you (laughs) never know (laughs) probably like at yuki please follow me (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> logo right here yeah you know it's fine you can just put like a little drum emoji too right like yeah she, be great. I think she draws too she's very interesting she can play the piano as well so there's really nothing she can't do Does, i mean maybe this is the this next content series from yuki is like what yuki can't do and we just start throwing things at her like can you juggle <laughs> let's find out <laughs> Oh, she's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Mina. Thank you for the time and good luck with the rest of the season. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. Thank you again to Mina for joining the show. The next step is that hashtag for the campaign for Yuki. We, I'm sure, will accept suggestions on Twitter. One more thing. I've shared three articles this week on Twitter uh, on my personal account that I hope that you can make the time to read. The first is from Shireen Ahmed on sports, accountability, and justice one year out from George Floyd's death. That's at TSN for you to read. The second is the story of Kira Klein, a high school student from Buffalo, New York, who has been denied the ability to play basketball after her sexual assault was not deemed a quote-unquote hardship for a waiver that she needed, written by Tim Graham. And finally, Jeff Reuter, who was on the show last week, wrote about the ongoing struggle for LGBTQ plus safety in the USL, reporting on Kyle Adams of Real Monarchs having a homophobic slur directed at him during a game, and how the reaction has been far more muted than what happened with Colin Martin and Landon Donovan. Links to all three of those stories are in the show notes. All right, that's another week here. As always, the home for the show is at fulltimepod.com, where you can find links to all of the major podcast platforms. And if you're enjoying the show, As always, your reminder that ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts really do make a difference. Again, one more call for this. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic to support women's soccer coverage, you can do that at theathletic.com slash full-time. My name is Meg Linehan, and you have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full-time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan, and thank you for listening. Listening.